Hey, David, happy fall. Well, Todd, it's nice to finally get to fall. Yeah, it, it, it definitely arrived. So I do have a special guest for today, Melissa West, who's ASN Senior Director for Strategic Relations and Patient Engagement. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Todd. Hi, David. Thanks for having me today. Um, so, Melissa, thanks for joining us. We, we thought it would be a, a really good time just to, to have an update concerning the ASN Task Force on the Future of Nephrology. Well, thanks, Tata. It's, it's been a pleasure to kind of help support this task force that ASN put in place um, last spring. Um, they had a pretty big charge that was put in front of them, and I think they did an excellent job to kind of coming together as a group under uh, the leadership of Mark Rosenberg. Um, and uh, we're moving forward through kind of an accelerated timeline to be able to kind of deliver our recommendations very soon. Uh, Todd, can we step back for just a minute? I just want to, I want to see if Melissa could just kind of walk us through um, kind of how this all came about and, and, you know, really what the objectives were. David, happy to kind of start at the beginning. Um, obviously, from the community perspective, um, thinking about um, program requirements and procedural requirements has been discussed for many years. Um, and in the earlier this year, 2022, both the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, ACGME, and the American Board of Internal Medicine, ABIM, both reached out to ASN about the same time, from my understanding, to kind of get ASN's perspectives on both the program um, requirements and procedural requirements. And so, you know, pressed by the ASN Council and the leadership um, to recognize that, you know, the kidney community has made quite a number of significant advancements in all kinds of areas um, and is recognizing that, you know, the landscape of clinical care has shifted pretty dramatically um, in the last, you know, couple years or even in the last decade. Um, and so the ASN Council really kind of put a pause and said, you know, let's, before we answer these questions specifically, let's really think about where the future of nephrology is going and then come back and kind of map the um, yeah, the answers or the recommendations to the question that's being posed. So the ASN Task Force on the Future of Nephrology was established in April, and we, we committed to providing a response to the community, also ACGME and ABIM, by the end of October on kind of what would be our what would be our response to the initial questions and more broadly, what is really the strategy that the community should be taking as it relates to training and certification specifically? Well, Todd and, and Melissa, it strikes me because you, you know, Melissa, as you've said, we've been hearing this discussion for, for uh, many years and we've, and we've undertaken it, uh, the questions there many times and tried to like really kind of come to consensus on it. Um, this, document, this interim report that is out for consideration, seems to be the most clear and defined kind of approach to that that I've seen. And I, I really felt that it, it read very well and it made sense. It addressed the questions ACGME and ABIM are asking, but it also gave guidance as to what everyone should be thinking about. Are those dual objectives or, or am I just reading into that? I appreciate, I guess, on behalf of the task force, kind of your assessment of, of the interim report, which, as you mentioned, is currently out um, for kind of public comment. Um, I think there are probably two major key points that we took advantage of when we were thinking about not just how to embark on this journey to have this conversation, but also kind of where we want to be. So I think the first piece was to really think about who was going to serve on this task force and um, really try to think about the diversity of the opinions. 
so that it was not just perhaps those who have always participated in this discussion, but maybe we'd be looking at, again, the broader kind of issue of where is nephrology heading as a specialty, as well as the narrow point around training and certification. And so the task force is kind of made up of a lot of different individuals who represent many different viewpoints. So they really kind of came at this um, charge um, with the goal to kind of come to consensus as was possible. So it really forced us to have kind of cross-cutting conversations and deliberations that forced us to try to communicate clearly. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing that the leadership of the task force and the task force in general did well was they really kind of defined what would be those guiding principles in thinking about formulating those recommendations. So again, there was always a guidepost that we would want to come back to that really forced us, again, not to just be clear with the recommendations, but to make sure that it ensures kind of um, uh, it meets the objectives. And so let me provide perhaps those three guiding principles um, to, the, to the audience, because I think that might help frame as, as we talk about the individual recommendations. So the first is really to think about that the recommendations must promote just, equitable, and high-quality care for people living with kidney diseases. The second uh, guiding principle is to promote the value of nephrology as a specialty, the future of nephrology workforce in the healthcare system and the government. And the third guiding principle is to promote innovation and the personalization of nephrology education across the scope of medical training. So again, with these guideposts and with kind of the diversity of individuals that we're serving, I think it really forced us to have kind of challenging conversations to look at the data to support our recommendations and then forced us to kind of try to communicate kind of as clearly and organized as possible. Todd, you know, I mean, and, and Melissa, you feel free to jump in on this one as well. Todd, you've spoken about this many times um, and uh, about kind of where nephrology's challenges are and 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 how they how that kind of compares to where other healthcare other medical societies are and how they have approached some of these questions or have not approached them. Can you uh, help us all kind of get a feel for like, what you think is happening in medicine and, and how nephrology is kind of comparing to other specialties? Yeah, thanks, David. It's, it's an interesting question. And, and I think just before I answer that, just to echo something that Melissa said was just the amount of time and effort the members of the task force and, and Melissa herself put into this initiative. Um, you know, they were meeting weekly for the last few months and, and really trying to engage as many different constituencies and stakeholders as possible. And then, as Melissa mentioned, we're in the, the period now where recommendations are out for comment and we're really excited to hear from the community and, and from the individual stakeholders and constituencies as to what they think about task force's 10 recommendations. I think to answer your question, it's interesting because it's clear that nephrology is not the only specialty that's grappling both with how practice is changing and how core sort of fellowship training um, or you know residency training needs to adapt and evolve over the next decade to be more supportive and representative of what practice is going to look like across specialties and subspecialties. I think the second key piece is as we think about training, and a lot of these discussions started um, in the in the late 1990s and early 2000s, within the context of the um, at the time Institute of Medicine, now National Academy of Medicine, um, their recommendations around patient safety and, and medical errors, and sort of thinking about you know how can medical education, um, both at an undergraduate and graduate level, um, including nephrology fellowship training, ensure a, a, a safe environment, both for the, the patients, but also for um, the, the trainees, in our case, the nephrology fellows. Um, and so I think that's also 
been over this, then of course a lot of what's happening over the last few years in terms of a, a renewed focus on you know, making sure that the, the healthcare workforce, and in our case, the nephrology workforce, is representative of the patient population in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as all the issues around healthcare justice. And I think, you know, as a community, we should be really proud of the work we've already done in terms of partnering with the National Kidney Foundation and, and being really the first um, specialty to step forward and say that, that race is, is social, not biological, and should not be part of, of um, clinical algorithms, which I think has been an important step forward and help frame a lot of thinking across these different issues. Uh, I agree. I agree. And as, as one of the people at ASN who has to go back and explain that, uh, in, in my case, to the regulators and, and with Zach Cribbs, who does it on Capitol Hill, um, it, that work has really become very important and very, very key to making sure that we can engage in that conversation in a positive way. You guys have 10 recommendations. and. I, I see some commonality to, to them in a different perspective, but I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But so just from the beginning, are there particular, I mean, are there particular recommendations that you'd like to really kind of highlight or draw attention to for people to take a look at if they go and look at this uh, on the on the ASM website? Sure, um, and maybe what I can do is, is provide a, an overview as to the 10 recommendations and then um, you know, really be curious as to Melissa's perspective about, you know, which recommendations um, she wants to highlight in terms of as people are thinking about the, the interim report and then ultimately the final report. Uh, you know, the way I see the 10 recommendations is they sort of fall into two categories. The first five recommendations, one through five, are very nephrology specific and very specific to what organizations like ASN will have to do working with the ACGME, which accredits um, fellowship training programs, and the ABIM, which certifies and recertifies nephrologists. And so um, those five, again, are very nephrology specific. And, and just to, to read them quickly, you know, the first is really enhancing competency-based nephrology education and thinking about, you know, what do all nephrologists need to know, sort of level one, what do some nephrologists need to, to learn sort of level two? And then what would be truly, if you will, additional sort of subspecialty training um, level three? And so, you know, that is a, a rubric that has worked well in cardiology. And, and I would say outside of, of the ACGME or ABIM, but just as we think about the specialty and we think about the future. I think that the second recommendation, which flows naturally out of that, is, is the ability to establish individualized pathways to meet career goals. And I think that's obviously already happening, but what can we do as a specialty and what can ASN do as an organization and what can the kidney community do to sort of formalize that and structure that more so there's consistency around sort of um, these different pathways while still being individualized. The third recommendation is specifically to procedural training and, and trying to address um, a couple of, of questions that have been, you know, really um, there hasn't been consensus on within the community, particularly among the, the Nephrology Fellowship Training Program directors. And I think as a result of this effort and interactions with the ABIM, I think we do have a, a consensus and, and the task force makes a, a very um, concrete recommendation there. The fourth of these five nephrology-specific recommendations is around emphasizing home therapies and, and really aligning with um, the 2019 federal policy on advancing American kidney health, which which also emphasized um, home dialysis in particular. Um, so what can we do from a, a training and, and certification and practice perspective to, to align all that? 
And then finally, there are gaps in current training, and, and what can we do to close those? That's the fifth of the nephrology-specific recommendations. The, the next five recommendations, six through 10, are broader and, and sort of um, cut across, I think, all um, both um, nephrology, but all other specialties, and both physician um, specialties as well as nursing and, and other health professionals. And so those really are around well-being, diversity, equity, inclusion, and healthcare justice, interprofessional practice, interdisciplinary practice, and lifelong learning. And so, again, I, I really do see this report kind of in two halves. Um, Melissa, what do you think as you sort of um, think about the 10 recommendations, which, which sort of jump out to you? Well, Todd, I think I would first kind of give an overarching kind of comment or statement in kind of listening to you as you, as you went through them, with the exception of probably two of the specific recommendations, really seven of them should leave a legacy, you know, that withstands time, right? So I think whenever you're taking um, a step back in, in an area or you're at a crossroads, you really want to come out with a recommendation that shouldn't need to be changed too quickly. Um, and really kind of set the framework by which you can then kind of think about implementation in any one area. So, for instance, you know, we have this, um, uh, this model that we want to consider around competency-based education, which kind of starts to stratify, you know, again, what does a general nephrologist need? You know, what is someone who's very interested in, in one area maybe need a little bit more once, once that additional training in, say, interventional nephrology or, or something, and then a third level that's really, you know, a true kind of expert in, in kind of that um, that vertical area of, of medicine. So, you know, the model or the framework, the recommendations that we're kind of putting out, um, you know, the sense of competency-based nephrology education shouldn't change over time. It's really where you kind of um, send the work to, um, to kind of quantify or qualify kind of a new area of nephrology as it pops up. So I think I'm pleased overall looking at the strategy that's put out um, in the in the 10 recommendations um, that will really provide some really hopefully nice follow-up conversations for us to really think about, you know, let's say a new gap in nephrology training that might come up even two years from now. And how do we kind of assess it and how do we roll out education, curriculum, experiential learning to be able to fill that gap without, again, having to take a, a larger view or kind of changing kind of the overall framework or structure. So as I kind of listened to you, I kind of got that sense of the recommendation potentially kind of having a legacy that, that should last us for some time. I, I want to offer an observation to you guys, but uh, just to see what you think about this. But, but first I would say, this is part of why I find this report so logical and so in keeping with ASM, because on the policy side, all the way around, we have been arguing for the government not to become overly prescriptive and not to put things into place that might stay in place for 25 years without the ability to change them. Um, that's, that stasis, I think, has happened a lot in parts of medicine, and it's not necessarily a positive thing. Um, and I hear you guys saying you want to – I hear you saying you want to accomplish the same thing in this particular aspect. Is that right? We want nephrology to be exciting again, uh, exciting for individuals who are interested in coming into the space. And we want them to clearly understand that there's career growth and opportunities and not just your time spent in fellowship, but as you go out into practice or you go out into research, your ability to kind of continue to con gain knowledge throughout your kind of career. Um, and, you know, again, want to communicate, I think, broadly to the community that we shouldn't take a stagnant kind of view of this, that what we put out now is relevant for X period of time. You know, we really need to continue to keep up with the trends with innovation with things that are coming. 
um, to make sure that again we're meeting the needs of, of patient care. Um, so I really like your you know your comments, David, about not trying to make things kind of fit in a box that then gets evaluated in a very you know rigid kind of manner. I, I think Melissa answered it well. I mean, just to to kind of again go back to the the core principles that the um, the guiding principles that the task force developed right from the beginning. I mean, it's it's you know what can nephrology do to ensure just, equitable, and high-quality care for, for people living with kidney diseases, then, you know, how can we really think about the increasing the value of nephrology as a specialty, but also in terms of the future workforce and then to healthcare systems, the public and government, which I think gets to some extent to, to your question. And then finally, this issue of innovation and personalization and really, um, you know, being that kind of specialty, which I think aligns well with, with the history of nephrology and sort of the core value of, of, you know, the values of the specialty. Well, you know, one of the things that I was really struck by um, and is, is that when I look at what, uh, the, what we are trying to do in terms of the quality of nephrology care, um, there are a lot of questions around right now. Uh, they've been around for a while, but the really big focus, as you know, on, on much more patient-centered choice and patient-centered and patient and physician shared decision-making um, and being open to many more options than might be considered in a system that can sometimes be a bit like a default. Um, so, the, and the question quite often has been, how do, how do we balance population health with individualized patient-centered care? Um, and, and also, how can we do that in such a way that provides more equity um, and less, in, less inequity in the whole system? So that's kind of the way I approach this whole thing. I look at this as I look at what you've got here as something that is both useful for nephrology in general, as Melissa said, make it exciting um, and look at things there. But it also strikes me as this is really also a, a recipe for really making sure that the average nephrologist is really prepared to engage um, with the system and with the patient in a way that really makes sure that all avenues are open and patient-centered care is really something that they're prepared to handle. Does that make any sense? It does. You know, what's interesting is that what's been tricky for the task force is, you know, that the initial impetus was, was direct questions from the ACGME looking at fellowship training and the ABIM looking at initial certification or recertification. And so on the one hand, the task force has been trying to be responsive to those questions, but putting the questions in a broader context. At the same time as you're raising, there's a lot happening both from government um, intervention and government incentives to to value um, different things, if it's, if it's home-based therapies or transplantation or whatever that may be. And then simultaneously, private equity is coming in and, and really is trying to say, you know, there's an opportunity to, to look at value-based care, which obviously the government also is prioritized. And so how you kind of connect all these different dots or, or think about what that's going to mean for the future of the specialty is really interesting. I mean, it's also exciting, but it's, it's fraught with challenges because some of these implementations are going to be implementing some of these goals are going to be relatively straightforward. 
Others are going to take years, if not decades. Um, you know, if you think about the first recommendation and the competency-based nephrology education and thinking about these three levels and, you know, what are existing models and other specialties and how can we kind of steal some of those ideas but adapt them for nephrology, you know, that, that is exciting, but it's also daunting. I think the thing that came to my mind was, you know, ultimately kind of the end user, right? I mean, individuals go into medicine, I would assume, not being an individual um, who's got an MD, you know, because they ultimately want to in make an impact. And that's obviously on an individual patient perspective, um, but obviously on a population as well. And, you know, I think that, you know, the more that, that we as a community can kind of embrace that, that passion and continue to provide people with um, ways to be excited and encouraged about kind of what they are doing on a day-to-day -day basis. I think it keeps people engaged and it keeps people talking positively um, about the specialty, which obviously has great rewards in terms of who we, who we attract to this, you know, ever-growing kind of patient population. So the task force, you know, talked a lot about um, population health and, and kind of like where kind of prevention population health fits in this. Um, we heard from patients in one of our listening sessions, and it was pretty clear that they obviously wanted kind of us to be thinking about patient-centered care, tools and techniques, skills for people, for, for nephrologists to have around patient engagement, activation, rehabilitation, was all, is all kind of referenced in the interim report. Um, you know, so I, I think it is important that we, um, you know, maintain kind of that focus on patient-centered care um, and continue to be able to kind of evolve and embrace kind of the changes that come within healthcare or within our specialty, you know, again, to provide the tools, techniques, and skills, whether you're in fellowship, right out of fellowships, or have been um, in practice for some time, that make you feel excited about what impact, you know, ultimately that you're going to have. So I think it's a, it was a great point that you brought up. Well, I, I think it's an exciting uh, piece of work that you guys have undertaken, and I, I think it's, it does have a lot of potential for a very positive impact. Um, where do we go from here? And uh, just anything in particular else that you'd like to have the listeners know about uh, the report? Well, Todd, maybe I can start at least with kind of the near term and let you, you kind of close us out here. Um, so as mentioned, we are in right now a period where we are, uh, we've shared our interim report and the 10 recommendations and the details and are looking kind of for feedback. We, we are um, kind of adhering to the timelines to be able to publish kind of our final recommendation here um, at the end of this month. Um, and share it kind of publicly at Kidney Week. Um, and so from there, I think ASN will take a step back and think about implementation and, and kind of what additional support will be needed to, to make these recommendations kind of come to fruition. Todd, perhaps you can kind of take it from there in terms of the bigger picture. Yeah, I'd be happy to. We, in addition to the, the sort of process overview that Melissa just provided, you know, we do have a session at this year's Kidney Week on Thursday. November 3rd, where um, we are going to have sort of an open forum to discuss the, the recommendations from the task force. You know, there's a one of my favorite quotes is from a, an architect, Mies van der Rohe, who said that, that God is in the details. And, and you know, what he talked about is you can sort of have a plan or a vision for what you want to do, but it's really at the implementation where you start to flesh out the specifics, and, and that's where you get the opportunities. And so, you know, I think what you're going to see over the next couple of years is as an organization, these recommendations are really going to be our, our our guiding light in terms of how we move forward on a lot of different fronts. You know, David, you've mentioned the quality arena and sort of thinking about 
you know, proposed and, and final rules and a lot of the discussions we normally have on this task force. And you can imagine that, that you know, these recommendations will help be, you know, guideposts or guiding lights for sort of how we, um, how we move forward. I also think, you know, we have very specific conversations with the leadership of both ACGME and ABIM around their timelines and, and things that can be very specifically addressed and those that are going to take a lot more work from the community and then, you know, different either ASN committees or task forces or working with other members of the community and other, you know, key stakeholders and organizations, both other health professional organizations like RPA or patient organizations like NKF or AKP. So there's a lot of opportunity for here for us to, to move forward on all sorts of different fronts. Well, I hope that our listeners found this uh, conversation as exciting as I do, uh, as I have. And so thank you, Melissa, and thank you, Todd. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology, all rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare professional if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the American Society of Nephrology.